This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Loyal Order of Yankee Haters meeting is hereby called to order. At Fenway Park, Mets fans and Red Sox fans united last night and tonight, both rooting hard for the pinstripes to take a good old-fashioned tumble. But while the fans of both franchises did agree on that piece, both were facing what felt like a must-win Tuesday night. The seven-line army representing, the chowder-heads representing, who would win the battle of the accents the rest of the world seems to hate? Beautiful night at a beautiful ballpark, and in the end, too much Xander Bogats. We'll review it next. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. So, are you guys familiar with the Maya theory? M-A-Y-A stands for Most Advanced Yet Acceptable. It was put out there by a guy named Raymond Lowry many years ago, which is basically this. We all crave an achievable challenge. Candy Crush is a really good example of that. There are dozens of songs that we all know and mostly love that are basically the same song. They go from C to G to A minor to F if you're in the key of C. Don't stop believing. Take me home, country roads. With or without you. Can you feel the love tonight from Lion King? Uh, I'm Yours by Jason Mraz. Lady Gaga's Paparazzi. It's just new instrumentation bringing a, a fresh sound to the exact same progression. It's like a new route home for your navigation app. That's a good non-musical example. We all crave being a little bit surprised by something very familiar, if that makes sense. So that's how I'm thinking of these Mets games down the stretch. They're all a little different. They're all entertaining. And they are indeed, at the end, supremely familiar. Good starting pitching, not enough offense, and the Mets eventually lose and we all get upset. Just sounds like a different song every time. Josh Lewin with you. 6-3 was the unhappy final from Boston. It was a pitching matchup of Marcus Stroman, 9-12, 2.80RA against Eduardo Rodriguez, 11-8 with a 5-ERA. Does that sound fair and just to you? The guy who's got an ERA in the twos is three games under 500. The guy whose ERA starts with a 5 is three games over 500. The Mets into this game basically as Wiley Coyote from the Roadrunner cartoons. After he runs too far off the cliff and he gets suspended in midair and he looks around and takes it all in before the ultimate plummet to the base of the ravine. Meantime, the Red Sox not feeling that way at all. They're on the verge of being on the cusp. They're on the cusp of being on the verge regarding getting in the playoffs here. That's despite a lot of players they lost because of COVID. They've done very well with their AAA call-ups and some waiver claims like Jose Iglesias. It's been more than a week since the Red Sox have had a positive COVID test, so they're hoping that they're, they're through the worst of it here. But they've hit their stride now, with Jose Iglesias especially doing ridiculously good work. That guy was flat out released by the Angels. He may carry the Red Sox, his original organization, right across the threshold. Of course, since they picked him up after July 30th, he's not eligible for the playoffs. So 
I don't know, maybe they slap Bobby Valentine's old fake mustache on him and run him out there not as Jose Iglesias, but uh, Jose B. Iglesias. Who would ever know? As the teams took the field, the Mets in their classic road grays, Red Sox wearing those, whatever you want to call them, the, the city classic uniforms, yellow with light blue. Now, I like that because UCLA, it's my day job. The Bruins and the Red Sox share the exact same B on their caps, too. And now, thank you, Boston, the color scheme works out, too, with these yellow and blues. Full disclosure, awkward for me when these two teams play, because these were the last two teams for which I did play-by-play. The Mets in 18, the Sox in 19. And I'll tell you a quick funny story. It wasn't funny then, uh, but Wikipedia does not always get things right. And I almost did not get the Mets job back in 2011-2012 because of what was on that website And I maybe did get the Red Sox job also because of what was on that website and wrong. So uh, there were certain parts of Mets ownership back in 2011, 2012, I guess, that had read on my Wikipedia page, also pronounced Wikipedia sometimes, that uh, I had grown up a Yankees fan. And that is just fake news. Uh, That was all hashed out. I, I got the job. The Red Sox, when they were hiring, and actually it was a radio station, not the the team that was doing the hiring, but uh, somewhere on that page it said that I grew up in Boston as a Red Sox fan. Well, I did spend a year and a half when I was three and a half to five years old in Boston. That's true. Uh, But I was never really actually a Red Sox fan growing up. I was just in Boston for a little bit. But uh, certain people in that office liked it. They liked what they read. And, I, you know, once I got the interview, I I just kind of, Said, sure, yeah, I can I can talk Red Sox. But anyway, don't trust Wikipedia. To the actual field of play, Fenway Park. Oh, and can we talk about Fenway for a minute before we get rolling, actually? I know a lot of fits and starts here. They market it as America's most beloved ballpark. And I am buying that, actually. I like it better than Wrigley. I really do. And at one point, between 2003 and 2013, 794 regular season sellouts in a row. 820 games overall, including playoffs, so I guess enough New Englanders agree with me there. The pitchers always ask the question, is it a religious shrine, or is it really more like a a giant arcade game? Can't be a coincidence that of the 118 American League batting titles, Red Sox players have won 29 of them. The Yankees, with all those Hall of Famers, have won 10. Yeah, it's not pleasant for pitchers. Sparky Anderson used to say, there is no mystique here. They should burn the place down. The Green Monster is really cool. Uh, originally built with 30,000 pounds of Tonkin iron back in 1934. The foundation of that wall goes down 22 feet below the ground. They painted it green back in 1947, and today an actual color called Monster Green is mixed very lovingly by a family in Wilmington, Mass. Why that big wall in the first place? Well, Lansdowne Street was originally backed by the Boston and Albany Railroad, so any thoughts of moving the wall back uh, by moving the street back that was quickly dismissed. They just couldn't do it. So instead, big wall to compensate for the short dimensions. Aerosmith got it started a place right across from Lansdowne Street at a bar called Mama Ken's. I have been in that bar. It's fantastic. The real place to go after a game is a place called Daisy Buchanan's, which is a short cab ride or a long walk. You guys remember the football player Chad Greenway for the Minnesota Vikings, linebacker out of the University of Iowa. Got one more story for you before this game recap. Uh, Nate Kading who was the Chargers kicker. Some of you know I used to announce the games for the Chargers. I got him and Chad Greenway tickets to a a game at Fenway one night that I was working for the Texas Rangers there. Yada, yada, yada. We meet at Daisy Buchanan's afterwards. I did not realize that Chad Greenway had already had like 19 beers. 
but we somehow got onto this conversation about would it hurt if you get headbutted? I mean, like, would you get knocked out if you get headbutted? And he decided that he would prove, yeah, I can knock you out by headbutting you. The moral of the story here, if you're ever going to casually dismiss whether or not someone could knock you out with a headbutt, uh, try to make sure he's not a Pro Bowl linebacker. Just a helpful hint from your cousin Josh from Boston. All right. Sorry. Let's let's really do this now. Red Sox in with a five-game winning streak, scoring between seven and nine runs in each of those games. The Mets' last three games, they've scored three, three, and three. Spoiler alert. Uh, they would do that once again. This one was scoreless into the fourth, and credit Marcus Stroman and him being a ground ball machine to keep it scoreless. Bottom of the third, he needed a miracle with the bases loaded, nobody out, and the Sox two best hitters coming up, but he got Xander Bogarts to bang into a 5-2-3 double play, got a fly out from the slumping Rafi Devers. Onions, as Bill Raftery would say. Kept it nothing-nothing until Eduardo Rodriguez faltered in the top of the fourth. He walked J.D. Davis with the bases loaded, which all year has been the Mets' best weapon when the sacks are full. Not a home run, not a double, a walk. That is 16 bases loaded walks for the Mets, by far the most in the majors. Soon after, the emerging from his slumber Michael Conforto would single in another run. It was 2-0 Mets. Getting Stroman a lead is only fair, due to it allowed only uh, three times all year, three earned runs or more, making every start 2.80 RA, yet somehow the Mets have a losing record when he's on the mound. If DeGrom was five foot seven and from Long Island instead of six foot four and from Florida, Stroman would be DeGrom. Speaking of which, both DeGrom and Syndergaard making progress. Noah headed to Syracuse for a couple rehab appearances. First one tonight. DeGrom hoping to be back next week. That would be awesome. That 2.80 RA coming in for Stroman. The last 22 years, only three other Mets have made 32 starts and clocked in with a sub-3 ERA. Johan Santana did it in 08. Cy Young Award-winning R.A. Dickey in 2012, and DeGrom with the Cy Youngs in 2018 and 19. That's some pretty good company. Stroman did give up a two-out double to Bobby Dahlbeck in the bottom of the fourth. And what a comeback story that guy has been. He's got the same OPS as Bryce Harper in the last 53 games. That trade for Kyle Schwarber, who the Red Sox were hoping could play first base, maybe spurred some competitive juices in Dahlbeck. And he's a guy you can root for as of this coming weekend. His dad is in the music business for Atlantic Records, which exposed Bobby Dahlbeck to every great performer you can imagine. He, he was around when his dad was handling all the promotions for, uh, man, Matchbox 20, Robert Plant, Kid Rock. Guy has taught himself piano and guitar, so maybe someday he can jump into that himself. University of Arizona guy was a pitcher there as well. Uh, kind of a neat story. Anyway, uh, Christian Vasquez also contributing in this inning. 8-for-20 lifetime against Stroman. He doubles in Dahlbeck, so that cuts the lead to 2-1. to one. Mets with a chance to add to the lead in the top of the fifth, but Brandon Nimmo slips while running the bases. He's thrown out to kill a rally. Game stays 2-1. to one. That was big. Just so 2021 right there. And sure enough, bottom of the fifth, Stroman had a getaway on, of all things, a long ball. He's one of the top starters in baseball regarding homers per nine innings, usually less than one. But in this inning, gave up two. A solo to tie it from Kike Hernandez. I hate that because I write down K Hernandez in my scorebook and I think of Keith. But then a double the other way from Schwaba and a two-run bomb from Bogarts, who may be the best bargain in baseball. You go back to 2019, a lot of people questioned why the Red Sox signed him to a six-year, $120 million deal. Remember, Lindor, 10 years, 341, just a couple years later. Uh, well, 
you look at since 2015, the year that Carlos Correa and Lindor made their big league debuts, those are the only two guys that are slightly above him in war. And now he is the lowest paid of those three guys as of next year because Correa is going to hit the jackpot. In the class of shortstops, Xander Bogarts gets lost. Even though he's won a World Series, just doesn't get the acclaim of the other guys. Uh, We need to talk more about Xander Bogarts. He doesn't so much move as he does glide. I'm a fan. Everything he does at the plate, in the field, walking through a clubhouse, is just so effortlessly smooth. I can't picture Bogarts ever tripping over a curb on a sidewalk like the rest of us. There is Humphrey Bogart, there is Xander Bogarts, and they're both basically the same smooth dude. More Bogarts in the bottom of the seventh. This time a two-run single off Brad Hand, who has not been what the Mets had hoped. RBI 78 and 79 for Bogarts, and the lead ballooning up to 6-2 to two for Boston. Bogarts, very good situational hitter. Two outs, bases loaded. He just shortened up on a sinker, drops a base hit in the left. So you may get him out once with the bases loaded, but no, not twice. Mets do get one back in the eighth, because at some point Pete Alonso was going to notice that beguiling green monster out there. Here's what happened. Alonzo hammers one in the air, deep to left, toward the monster and gone. Home run, Pete Alonzo. That was just a rocket. Got out of here very quickly. Over the monster, over the monster's seats. The ball actually clanked off one of the signs behind the monster seats in left field. Alonzo has his 34th home run of the year. He's driven in 88. That was a hanging slider. And Pete absolutely crushed it. The Red Sox lead is now 6-3. Wayne Randazzo with the call on WCBS. Yeah, number 34 for the Polar Bear. And by the way, the Red Sox AAA team in Worcester plays at Polar Park. Is it named in his honor? That, I like to think so. Mets needing three in the ninth to salvage this thing. They couldn't get it. And your final is 6-3. So Stroman loses again. He's now four games under 500. And your box score summary. Nimmo, the Cheyenne, Wyoming native, just like Kurt Gowdy, longtime voice of the Red Sox. Uh, he struck out three times, looked at one to end the game. He's still got a 900 OPS over his last 19 games. We'll give him a break. Lindor had a double, only his 16th double all year. That is a very surprising and telling stat, I do believe. Uh, Baez has now reached base safely in 15 straight games because he had a hit that ties a career high. He's hitting 430 in that time. Pete Alonso DHing in this game. He's going to host a Homers for Heroes charity event this coming Monday. Gates at 6, uh, the event at 7 at the Brooklyn Cyclones Ballpark. And for more info on how you can attend, go to Pete's philanthropic website, homersforheroes.org. J.D. Davis, uh, he had an 0 for 3 with one RBI. 325 hitter on the road, just 275 at home. Conforto, 223 on the road, 223 at home. At least he is very consistent, and he was one for four in this game. Pilar, former Red Sox outfielder, he had a hit. He's got a 1,000 OPS his last 20 games. He's done that very quietly. Dom Smith took an 0 for 3. He's now 2 for 24 lifetime against the Sox somehow. Nito, uh, well, the Mets still five games over 500 when he does start. They are 10 games under when he doesn't. That one's for his agent. But to even it out, he's also hitting just 233. Marcus Stroman, five innings, seven hits, four runs all learned. The home runs killed him. That's rare. Two walks, three strikeouts. Took him 95 pitches to grind through those five innings. It was Tornado Tom Hallion behind the plate, and Stroman didn't seem to love the strike zone all night. They call him Tornado Tom because he's got that whirly bird strikeout call, that strike three call. Hey-ya! 
turning around like that. Uh, he's also the guy that got into it with Terry Collins, very memorably, that, that kind of blew up on the interwebs not too long ago. But credit where it's due to those Red Sox hitters going deep in accounts. They've been doing that since the days of Euclid and Ramirez and Pedroia and Big Poppy. After the game, Stroman did meet the media, and we'll hear that right after a very quick message. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, here you go. The always reflective Marcus Stroman after the game. Hey, Marcus, you've obviously had such a consistent stretch this season. Just what was the difference tonight for you? Um... I make pitches when I need to. Just mechanically, I was just a little off today. Anytime you throw in seven days, it's hard to lock it in mechanically. Um, that's kind of been tough my whole career. I've always, I've always battled kind of anytime you get that extra day of rest and being on seven, it's hard to have your mechanics exactly where they need to be. So I just think my mechanics were a little off throughout the day over the five days. They were great at times and they were terrible at other times. So just a matter of knowing that and focusing on uh, my mechanics and everything I need to do before my next start. When those mechanics are off at times like they were today, what in particular does it affect? Is it more the, the command of the pitches, the way that they're moving? How did it affect them today? Yeah, it affects everything. I mean, I'm, I know my body very well, and I'm, I'm someone who, for the most part this year, I've, I've been very, very good with my mechanics. Um, so, yeah, when my mechanics are off, it throws everything off. Things aren't moving like they're supposed to. You're not able to locate as well. Um, and I knew it. I felt the kind in the game. So that's why I, I kind of take it with a grain of salt. Um, I focus on that between uh, these next five, six days, however many days I have into my next start, and, and, and prepare and be better my next time out. Right, here is Marcus Stroman. And as for the manager, what he had to say, what can he say? This team is now a full five games under 500, with 11 left to play. But he jumped into the Zoom room nonetheless. Hey, Luis. So what is just your evaluation in general of Stroman's season as a guy who obviously has been very consistent for you? Um, maybe not pitching deep into games, but you know, you seems like you know what you're going to get from him. Yeah, he's a, I mean, really good pitcher. Contact, he can induce contact. He can uh, throw strikes. He has a lot of, uh, he's got a good repertoire. The many of pitches is really good. It's pretty consistent from outing to outing on what's working. And if something's not working, he can choose one pitch and probably use it a little more than the other and, and be effective. So uh, very athletic, feels his position. We did it again today. Uh, uh, we, we saw it. And uh, you know, tonight he had he ran into a very good hitting team that can do what they did with that uh, first three batter that third time through, and uh, he just ran to that for me. I mean, nothing outside of that. Uh, I thought that you could say that he didn't throw the ball well tonight. It was just that uh, this particular tree of bats. Uh, but Stroh's being consistent for us, especially without Jake, um, to give us some length. Tonight wasn't the case. It was that the fifth the fifth inning got in the way uh, from him uh, getting probably a little longer. Thank you. Tim Britton, you're up. Hey, Louie. Pete was just in here mentioning how unlikely the playoffs are for you guys. Have you sensed the team getting demoralized at all over these last nine days or so as those chances have gotten slimmer and slimmer? I, I haven't. I haven't felt that from the guys. Uh, I, I know they're pounding, uh, you know, because of 
we lost five. Uh, we came from behind Sunday. We won the game uh, the day of yesterday. And watching them, it's just, you know, they've been pretty positive today. They were pretty positive. They love the atmosphere here in Boston. And uh, the good crowd. And, you know, the guys straight to compete. And, uh, you know, they showed up. There's a meaning that could have been bigger. And that wasn't the case. And now after a loss, I, I mean, I can't imagine uh, Pete just sharing his, his emotions that way. So, but, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure the guys are going to keep fighting. You know, there's chances out there and uh, there's games to play. And, uh, you know, I just haven't sensed that from the group. I haven't sensed that. I mean, they're out there competing. They're giving their best. So, um, you know, do the same tomorrow. Come back at it. Thank you. Justin. Hey, Louie, in the moment, did you feel that in that fourth inning you guys needed to score more given how good their offense is? Yeah, uh, I knew two runs weren't, weren't going to do it. Um, and uh, we had a pretty good chance there. And I know they, they score. I mean, these guys average, you know, more than four and a half runs a game. And, um, you know, this, this ballpark, you know, they know it pretty well, of course. And, uh, and it's a deep lineup. Hey, they have a lineup like that and a guy like, Renfro out of the lineup with 28 homers like it's they have they have a lot of a lot of depth in their in their offense so <clears throat> I knew I knew we had to add some more uh, we had a pretty good chance there didn't happen then we had the second and third uh, one out and uh, strikeout ground ball we can uh, we can regain we can regain the lead so uh, yeah and playing teams like this uh, that can hit um, a little bit you you always want to see your team scoring more and more and adding there's there's just not enough Excellent. All right, there's the skipper. Now we look at tonight. Taiwan Walker against the lefty Chris Sale. And then at Milwaukee, at least they miss Cy Young candidate Corbin Bo- Oh, wait, they do not miss Corbin Burns. In fact, they get him right away. That sucks. Tyler McGill against Burns, who's 10-4 and with a 2-3-4. Then Carlos Carrasco against Eric Lauer. Rich Hill against Freddie Peralta. Uh, they've lost 11 of their last 12 in Milwaukee of the Mets, and they haven't won a series at Miller Park or whatever it's called now since 2013. Let's go ahead and meet the band, at least. Give you a little something to smile about before we limp on down to Daisy Buchanan's to get headbutted by former football players. On keyboards, it's Pete Harnish. Slapping to bass, Brooke Fordyce. The horn section is Tom Gorman. And kicking out that downbeat on the drums, that's Jason Middlebrook. This is Josh Lewin. Please stay out of trouble. Be of good cheer. Tweet at me sometime if you like, at Josh Lewin stuff. And please do come back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.